So there's a specific theme to the message today, obviously pointed towards those who we have honored just a moment ago. But obviously it's, it's bigger and broader than that. So girls, girls, this is for you graduates. This, these are the words of some ladies that I trust and love in our church, and I ask them to say, give me just some words of wisdom for these young ladies. And my wife shared a little bit, but hers was, your identity is in Christ and not anyone or anything else. The world will tell you to be independent, just do it all on your own, and you're, be all grown up. But here's the deal, you can't grow in Christ apart from the body of Christ. Because the reality is we need each other. Another one lady said, choose friends wisely. Always be a lady. Keep God first. Don't lower your, lower your standards to keep friends. I think that's pretty good wisdom. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffer, will suffer harm. And that is not only true in middle school and high school, but it is true in every stage of your life. Another friend of mine said, always be positive. Remember, we all have bad days. Forgive quickly. And one other thing, seek respect, not attention. Seek respect, not attention. It's okay not to have everything figured out right now. It's okay. Also, take this time that you have to figure out what you'd really like to do career-wise. Do lots of internships or shadowing different careers or when you're in college. Like, look for different things. Like, go check it out for a while. Like, we even encourage you to do that in church. Go try out uh, in, the, in the children's ministry. See if you, you, you've got what it takes because it, it takes a lot. <laughs> you know, and if like, that's ah, not really for me. I'd rather do something else. It's fine. Try it out and then, but keep looking. Remember who you are and who you want to become. A lot, of ha- a lot happens in the middle of that, like who you are and who you want to become. But a vision will help you make the best choices. Have fun, but don't be stupid about it. That's a good word if you're going off to college for sure. Have fun, but don't be stupid about it. Oh, and make new friends with people who inspire you, not people who tempt you. Look around for people who make you want to be better. To cause you to try a little bit harder, not to just drag you down. As a youth pastor, I shared this phrase a lot, and it's so true. Friends will make you or they'll break you. So I asked some guys on Tuesday morning, I said, give me some words of wisdom for the guys. First one was, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going no matter what others have said. If you're aspiring to do something good, don't give up. Keep working. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Next guy said, If you have good friends, stay connected. If you have good friends, stay connected to them. That's hard to do, especially as you separate and spread out and go different directions. 
I, you've heard me say this before. The first person that ever gave an online gift to our church was my best friend from high school. And the thing that's kept us best friends is our connection with Jesus. Because all the other guys that I hung out with that I thought were my friends, we don't have that connection. But with my best friend, he loves the Lord and he supports what it is that we're doing here all the way from Arizona. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Keep loving each other earnestly. Like, love each other well. Don't give up on that. Another guy said, don't settle. Don't settle when it comes to the job that you're going to do or, or in significant relationships. Matter of fact, you should pray first before you enter into those things. But just don't settle. A gentleman that spent a lot of time with us in the youth ministry at the First Baptist Church, he, he shared, get plugged in to a good church Plugged in versus just going. Instead of just showing up and going, get plugged in. Like, serve. Uh, figure out ways that you can be involved and, and use your gift. And then, and then another guy shared, learn to give generously. Whether it was be with your time or your money. Like you can't outgive God. Learn to bless others because then you will be blessed figure out what it means to tithe what does that word what does that mean to give on a consistent basis to save so those three things and all those things like Brady Brady shared in the Proverbs chapter 3 all those things will require you to trust the Lord as he guides you so those are some good advice for some people in in, involved in, in this body of Christ. So I want you to turn with me to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so every morning I get a, an email about 6 o'clock in the morning from a ministry called Homeward uh, out in California. And it's their daily devotional. And it's a, it's a ministry to, it was started out, the guy was a, a youth pastor like legend. And then he began to get more connected, more involved in just family ministry. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that is in uh, the New Testament of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans. And then Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and he's writing these letters, and, he's, and in these letters he's addressing certain issues. And in chapter 12, he is... He's talking to them about all the ways that the body of Christ is gifted. Every single one of these young people that stood up here are gifted in different ways. They're gifted physically, emotionally, mentally to accomplish certain things. But as they have given their heart to Jesus... The Spirit of God that dwells in Christ dwells in them and brings with Him at least one major, but maybe a couple different spiritual gifts. Planted that spiritual gift inside of them to be used then to build up the body of Christ, to bless other people. And each one of these students all have an individual story that goes along with that gift and those talents or whatever that God wants to used to apply his grace to the rest of the world. Think about it. They're all going to go separate directions 
with their gifts and with that grace. And the same is true for you. Right? So don't get lost sitting there thinking, okay, well, we're just talking about these students that represent. No, this same truth is for you too. You all have a story. If you were here last week, you were blessed and blown away by Stephanie's story. Amen, right? It was awesome. That's her story. Same God is involved in your story that was involved in Stephanie's story. Same God, same Holy Spirit, same Savior, all the same. And that's what he was talking about. Paul's telling him, you know, there's this, there's this same Spirit, gives certain gifts to certain people, and he apportions it the way he sees fit. Like he is a good gift giver. When our kids were young, my wife, I remember come Christmas time, she would, she would get it all set out. Okay, we got one, two, three, okay, four gifts for Powell. All right, we got four for Eliza. Well, only got three for Emma. We paid a little bit more for that gift, so now it adds up to be four, right? You know, so she just wants to make sure they all get the same thing, you know, and they all get a portion that way. God, with his gifts and his people, he gives them the way he sees fit to be used the way he wants them to be used. He's just good like that. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about spiritual gifts, and then he starts talking about how we are one body with many members. So let's just jump in right at verse uh, 12, because verse 11 is where he said, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions, who gives to each one individually as he wills. See, God created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows exactly what it is that you need. He knows your personality. He knows what you're good at, what you're not good at. And he puts you right where he wants you to be. Just like Brittany has been chosen to run in a race in state. She was picked. Why? Because she's fast. That's why. And the coach knew that. He didn't pick somebody slower just because he felt bad for them or whatever. It's like, no, he picked her to run that race. And she's going to go run it to the best of her ability. So God decides these gifts. So here's verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. Now he's talking about the physical body as a representation. We all have many parts to our body, right? You all know that. We've got all these different parts doing different things. And they all work together well most of the time <laughs> most of the time as we've gotten a little bit older sometimes our body parts don't want to work the way that we want them to work but that's a whole nother story another sermon for another day for in one spirit we're all baptized into one body jews or greeks slaves are free all were made to drink of one spirit does not matter what high school these students graduate from or where they're going what they're going to do in God's eyes, one spirit, all the same. They're all gifted in one way or another. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less him a part of the body, right? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Makes sense, right? If the whole body were an eye... That would just be weird. Wouldn't it? It would be scary. It would be a monster. Cyclops. It would be a big eye. 
You could see, but on, Scripture goes on to say it would not smell very well because it wouldn't have a nose. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. I am a firm believer, and I see it more and more the longer we spend time together, that God brings people into the body, into this local body, with certain gifts and certain talents or whatever, because he knows that we as a church need you. We need you. And we hope that when you start coming, you realize, you know what? I need them. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. And say to them, and you need me. <laughs> Some of you more than you actually know. <laughs> yeah, if you're sitting next to your wife that, or your spouse, that's definitely true. You know, I need you. Because I cannot figure out how to do the laundry and make dinner at the same time. It's impossible. Can't do that. The I, says, then it goes on and says, verse 19, If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, many parts, yet one body. This next part can be a little bit confusing. And I wrestled with it a little bit. A little bit. I'll, sh I'll read it to you, but I don't want you to hear, well, there's just certain parts of the body that really are not as important as other parts of the body. And I think what was going on in the church, in the Corinthian church, is that there were, was this temptation to think, well, God has given me a certain gift, therefore I am exalted above the rest of you. And some would think, well, Brady is the pastor, therefore he's more important than the rest of you. And that is true. No, I was just kidding. It's not true. It's not. It's not true. Because, listen, my friend Anthony, who I love this guy, who has been here since we started here, and Anthony started out being the guy who just opens the door for us, but now he's a part of our church. Do you know how important Anthony is? If Anthony doesn't show up, you know what's going to happen? We're calling Phil Dorman. That's what's going to happen. And he's going to have to get out of bed, and he's going to have to drive into town and unlock the doors. Okay? Actually, Phil started unlocking the doors first, and then Anthony came around. But Anthony is just as valuable. He has a role to play, and if he doesn't show up and do it, we suffer. Side note. Your attendance in church matters. Not just so that we can count you, and say, hey, look how many we're running today. You know what? Every pastor I meet, how many are you running today? Well, there's some kids running in the hallway before and after church. So I don't know, five, six, depending on the family show. You know, no, how many people are coming to your church? I was like, as many as God wants to be there at that particular moment. And there are some who he wants to be there that they weren't able to come. And there are some that he wants to be there, they're not even thinking about church today. But the ones that are showing up have a purpose. And we need them. And so where it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow great, greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. 
That doesn't mean some of you are unpresentable. <laughs> doesn't mean that some of you shouldn't be up on the stage. All right? Some of you are gifted, and some of you might be up here. Stephanie might just take my job, and I'll just sit out there, and she'll stand up here. You know, she's like, no, I don't want that job. That's not my calling. All right? But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no, because here's, here's the whole reason for this, is that there may be no division in the body, that the, ma- the members may have the same care for one another. Right? The last thing God wants in the body of Christ is division, and that's the first thing the enemy of our soul wants. Because if he can get you to be mad at the person next to you or the person that's sitting behind you, you know what's going to happen eventually? You'll just stop showing up. And you'll find lots of justification and reasons why you don't have to be here. Well, that Brady, I saw him at the grocery store. He didn't even acknowledge who I was. Like, I looked right at him, smiled. He didn't even know me. That's because Brady's an idiot. Brady was focused on something else. It's not that I did it on purpose. I just wasn't thinking that day or something. But that doesn't, that's not my heart. You should know I still love you. Matter of fact, we won't even have time really to get into it. But you know what it all comes down to? 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about the love. It's all about the love that we are to have for one another. No division in the body that the members may have the same care for one another. And isn't this true in the life of our church recently? If one member suffers, we all suffer together. Have we been suffering for the Jairus family? For the McDonald family? For other families in our body that we know that are hurting, that are going through difficult things? I love the way you guys respond as a church when you see the hurt. And there's all of a sudden, there's this collective like, oh, oh I can't believe it. Man, I just want to take this burden from you, and I want to carry it for you. I want to help you walk through it. And that's what we are called to do. And then if one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's the the fun part, right? Where we get to celebrate these students that are graduating from high school. We get to rejoice with one another. When someone succeeds in the body, we all need to be the first ones cheering them on, saying, yes, keep going. That was awesome. Now I want to to land specifically on this this part right here. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Okay. Students that were standing up here. I want you to look at me. I want you to listen to this. You are the body of Christ. The physical representation of the Savior of the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit, created by the Father, sent out to wherever it is you're going to represent Jesus there. I know that's a lot of pressure. Maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you feel like, I didn't sign up for that. It's not what I want. But if you call Christ your Savior, that's who you are. And the good news is, is you're not alone, right? The Holy Spirit lives in you to empower you to do what he's called you to do. You're not alone because you have a church full of people 
who love you, who are spurring you on. You have a family who loves you, who are encouraging you, there to support you, to help you. The rest of you, don't miss this. You are, Jacob, the body of Christ. You're Jesus to your wife. You're Jesus to this precious little baby that you're going to be holding here soon. You are Jesus. Because Jesus is not here in the flesh, ladies and gentlemen. But he is, though, through you. <laughs> he is you. He is through you. So this homeward devotional that I was talking about earlier, I woke up on Monday morning, and typically I just look at it and I just delete it because I'm going on to do something else. But for some reason I decided to read it on Monday morning. And this was a quote in this devotional that pointed to this passage of Scripture that I just shared with you. It says, In Alexander Irvin's novel, My Lady of the Chimney Corner, an old woman went to comfort a neighbor who had just lost her son. Her son was still there in their home. He had died. And this old woman went to her to comfort her. It says she laid her hand on her friend's head and said to the mother, Ah, woman, God isn't in a printed book to be carried around by a man in fine clothes. He's not a cross dangling at the watch chain of a priest. God takes a hand wherever he can find it. Sometimes he takes a bishop's hand and lays it on a child's head in benediction. Sometimes he takes the hand of a doctor to relieve pain. The hand of a mother to guide a child. And sometimes he takes the hand of a poor old woman like me to give comfort to a neighbor. But they are all hands touched by his spirit and his spirit is everywhere looking for his hands to use. Do you know sometimes he will choose to use the hands of a young man or a young woman who is getting ready to take the next step in this journey, this adventure called life. See, here's the reason why God choose, or chose at that particular moment to use the hand of this old woman. The first reason is, is because she was available. She was there. She was close by. And I believe the second reason is, is because she offered her hand to be used by the one who created that hand in the first place. Ladies and gentlemen, are your hands available? Are they available? Are you willing to give them to Him? To be Jesus to wherever it is that you are getting ready to go to. In Ephesians 2, chapter, or verse 10, it says that we are, Ephesians 2 says we're saved by grace because of our faith in Him, not by anything that we can accomplish, anything that we can do. 
Using your hands for the Lord won't save you. But it says that you are His workmanship, or another uh, Bible would say, handiwork. Did you know that you are God's handiwork? You're probably thinking, dude, uh, you're not talking about me. Yeah, I am. You are his handiwork. Now, you can take that too far and say, yeah, God, you did good, man. I look at myself in the mirror and say, whoo, God, you did, well, except for this part, God, you did good. <laughs> but it's not that. Somebody's talking about it's, it's so selfless, not selfish. You are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. I love this part. To do good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. Do you know, as a follower of Jesus, he has things works prepared for each of you to do. Like a station, if you will, along the way. And as you walk in the Spirit with God, you'll begin to discover what it is that He has for you to do. Like some of you are, you just, I don't know what it is. That he, I know there's something I'm supposed to do, but I'm not sure what it is. But apart from walking with the Lord and staying connected to Him, you'll never know what that is. Does that make sense? In Romans 12, it says you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's a reasonable act of service. And in the process of being transformed, you'll begin to discover what God's purpose is for your life, what His will is for your life. But if you're, just like with your hands, if you don't offer them to Him, He's not going to be able to use them to bless anybody else with them. And so along the way, you have these things God has prepared for you to do. I believe in all my heart that God had this work prepared for Tony and his family, because there's his wife helping out right there, prepared in advance for him to do. And one of those things was to be the worship leader of the Calling Community Church. Did he have a clue about that when he was in high school? Heck no. I knew him when he was in high school. He didn't have a clue what he was doing. No, I was just kidding. No, he did. Tony was a smart young man. Tony had a purpose, and he... And Tony kept walking with the Lord even when it was really, really tempting to say, you know what, it's not worth it. It's too hard. So you got things prepared in advance for you to do. And as you're walking with him, as you are allowing him to use you, use the way he's gifted you and wired you, you'll begin to discover this life, this, this life with purpose. So I want to finish with this. This way of life, this following of Jesus, uh, becoming more and more like him, which is what it means to be a Christian anyway, is to be a follower of Jesus. And in this book, students, that I gave you, it'll give you, it'll give you the way to live. It'll give you this example to follow. And when you live that way and you begin to discover these things he has prepared for you, there's a prepared purpose 
for your life. Prepared purpose. I know that as a young person, I wasted a lot of time kind of over here. <laughs> Just kind of doing my own thing. Things that I thought were good for me. Like, yeah, this seems good at the time. It feels good, so I'm going to do it. That's what everybody else around me is saying, Bray, it feels good, do it. And all along, say it was five, ten years, whatever, I missed out on five to ten years of things God had prepared for me to do. And I'll never know what those are. And to me, that's one of the greatest consequences of sin. It's to miss out on the purpose and plans God had for me because I was doing my own thing. I know you're going to go off to college, you're going to do your own thing, whatever, and you're going to experience some things that the world has to offer. It's just, it's probably going to happen. But my promise to you, my guarantee to you, is it will not satisfy you nearly as much as Jesus will. And you can take that to the bank because it's true. So this way of life helps you discover what, discover what your prepared purpose is, okay? Now once having this purpose, once discovering what it is, it guides and then protects you from the temptation and then from the consequences of sin. I know it's not a popular word, but the reality is no matter what it is that you believe, the wages of sin is death. It just is. The most convinced atheist in the world cannot escape the consequences of sin. No matter how they want to believe God doesn't exist, those consequences are still real. So this protection of walking out this purpose in life then produces, there's a lot of P's there, produces a life full of perfect peace. Perfect peace. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And apart from Him is chaos and confusion. And a broad path that eventually leads to destruction. But in this path of perfect peace, we experience a life that is full. And a life that is abundant. As the team comes to finish the last song, I want to encourage you today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to challenge you. Where are you at along this, this path? I want to ask you, are your hands, are your hands available Psalm 24 says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place? And it says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, one who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol, something that we have allowed somehow to just become more important than, than God, and doesn't swear by what is false, seek truth 
His word is truth. I don't fully understand everything about this book. I'm still learning. I'm on a journey. I'm on this, this path. And listen. Yes, even the pastor is tempted to be drawn away to seek after other things we think are more enjoyable or more desirable than walking in the truth. But there is nothing better than the peace that is offered when you're walking with Him. Nothing. Nothing. So as we worship this morning, as we sing this last song, if you need prayer for anything, whatever God's touching your heart about, come and Come and pray. Uh, there'll be others that'll see you up here and they'll come and pray with you. If you just want to pray by yourself, that's fine too. Please come and pray.